Hello, everyone. Citizen Reporter. This is episode 393 for 3rd of October 2011. And as I've done recently, I'm here in the beginning of the program to talk to you a little bit about how this program is entirely funded by me and the work that I do outside of here and you, the listener. As it has been for years, your donations help this program function. So if you like what I'm doing, if you support what I'm doing, go to citizenreporter.org. There's a button there for Flatter. That's one way. Or you can use PayPal, both of which are good ways to simply donate to this program, whatever you feel you should or can donate. I appreciate it, and it helps me move forward and know that uh, you're out there and you like what I'm doing and you want it to continue, because I want to continue. The big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. One of the most stupid wisdoms is, oh, these are just words, we need to do something. No, we need words today. We need to talk differently. My God, what we do is always rooted in how we talk in the sense of how we perceive a situation, and so on and so on. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. they got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of CitizenReporter.org. And we're continuing with the series on, I'm calling it people who have escaped uh, city life and the, and the grind of, of what is very much uh, regular life for people. Um, we can call it whatever, but it's about people who have made a big change in their lives, who have built their own, say, home, or at least the place where they live, who have sort of made their own job, and... Today we're talking to someone who I've always wanted to talk to, um, and he's on the line from Vermont, uh, Eric Nelson. Hi, Eric. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. And so everybody listening, just for full trans, uh, yeah, disclosure, I've never spoken with you at least uh, in, uh, via voice. Uh, we crossed paths here in the Netherlands, but, but didn't even realize it back then uh, at a conference. Um, you came to my attention from, you know, recommendations of, of friends of ours, um, because you have moved to, to Vermont and uh, sort of made your own life there. Is this correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I lived in the Netherlands for 10 years and, um, and as much as I loved it there, it just, it never felt like home to me. So yeah, I came back to Vermont where, where this absolutely feels like home <laughs> but like you you studied in vermont before you lived in the netherlands and i mean most people who come out of university if they don't move to europe or, or i mean they they generally are in the world of buy a home or rent something get a job i mean it, it, it's not that everyone does what you've done uh sure um 
Yeah, I was homeless for 10 years and kind of traveled, not not homeless, but we moved around a lot. And there's a apartment to apartment, and a lot of them were uh, uh, employee-supplied apartments where you didn't really have a choice of where you lived. You know, the furniture wasn't yours. You didn't invest yourself in, in the, uh, the space uh, because you you didn't know how long you were going to be there. So I did that for 10 years, and it, it just started to wear on me and uh, it, to a point where I, I felt like we had to make a decision, and I wanted to care about where I lived. I mean, that was, that was very important to me. But that didn't necessarily mean city or country. Which, when you say care, you wanted, what, like, a community, or, or are you talking about the actual space? Both. Yeah, both. I mean, I, what... What was big in my mind at the time was that we we change ourselves to conform to the spaces that already exist, and I wanted to more experiment with creating a space that would conform to me, to what I need, to my daily needs and my family's needs. And you know, while we were looking for places, we looked at a lot of houses, and it, it was always that that problem was that these spaces already existed. And that you were living in someone else's space. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean that. So that was a, a large part of the reason to that made me decide to start from scratch. Yeah, I mean, w- when you explain it that way, it seems like your only choice was to start from scratch, so that everybody understands when we're talking about start from scratch. You you built your own house. Now, let's talk about that, the process for, from when you found the the land and what was there and what you've done with it. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, we we started looking at land and we finally found a you know a, a parcel of land on the side of a mountain. It's called Camel's Hump and it's in Vermont. And uh, it was just one of those things. I walked it. I looked at it about, you know, three times before we actually put a uh, bid in on for it. It's five and a half acres. And it was one of those feelings where you're walking the land and you automatically feel you, you kind of can see yourself in the future. And you, you think, oh, I can live here or this. I, I, I can make this work. And even just the, the, the lay of the land, the site, um, you can kind of just imagine it and it was all wooded i mean all hardwoods yeah. you know like ma- maples birch beech uh cherry trees and so and it was it was a pretty young forest like 30 years 30 40 years um yeah so we i spent a year a summer clearing it with my brother with a chainsaw we brought in we buried power to the house site and then we put in the driveway with an excavator that who's who's just down the road. Um, and then let's see, we did that one summer. And then I went back over to the Netherlands, played a, a season, and then came back the following May, and we broke ground. Yeah, yeah. I, I, one of the things different people that we've spoken to have talked about is the importance of, uh, I mean, the requirement of uh, some funds to use to start. You're talking about buying land in Vermont. I'm not very familiar with the cost of things in Vermont, but um, did you need to have significant life savings to use on this? Yes, I did. Yeah, it was a big step. I mean, there's, there's numerous ways to go about um, doing what we did. Um, 
and you know where we lived yeah it was the cost of land was a little bit more expensive but it, i mean it's all in relation to what's around you you know there's schools if you have kids uh you know any kind of towns or cities you want to be close to but if you want to live in the middle of nowhere and you can do that you, you can do it fairly cheaply hmm. And, and you were talking about playing yeah. a season again, just so that everyone can follow you. In the Netherlands, you were you played basketball, right? And yeah. that was another thing too. Is you know, like when we when we bought the land and I, imp- I improved it, cleared it, power driveway. Yeah, I, I was running out of money, so it, it it worked out nice that I had that basketball job. So I went back over. Well, I, I worked out a deal where I had a year contract, but only had to work nine months. You mm-hmm. know, because it's a basketball season, right? So when I started when I started building in May, I I was fortunate enough to be able to be paid without having to work for three months, which made building the house a whole lot easier. So it was it was just you know like this small window this small small window where I thought I could get it done or I could see a way to get it done and yeah did it. <laughs> now, I, I hear at least one child in the background. Uh, you have one or, or more than one. <laughs> We, uh, we have four. Four, okay. Now, at that time when you were building the house, did you, did you have all four children already? We had, we had three. Wow, okay. Yeah, we had, so, that, so that was May in 2009. Yeah, we had three kids. Hmm. And we ended up, I mean, and to say, you know, because it's really hard to build a house and rent at the same time. Because yeah. um, you're spending so much money, so what we ended up doing was, since we already owned the land outright, we just we camped on the site in the woods, you know, just you know, a stone's throw from where we were building, and we camped there for three and a half months. Yeah. Until we until we had a structure that we could camp in. <laughs> yeah. Until until the, the the actual shell was dried in, so roof, windows, and it was all rough inside, and then we just moved inside. Yeah, and, and people can see photos of this. I'll, I'll share a few on the, the post that comes with this podcast, but people can see these photos on, on Flickr, and I'll, I'll link to, the, yeah. uh, to them. And I, I did see the tents on the property when around the same time where you were building. Um, one yeah. thing that, that Jay and Ryan said, everyone has said that one of the key factors was when they're doing what they've done, rebuilding or building their home, that they didn't actually know how to do a lot of these things when they started them, and that they learned them either from neighbors or from the internet, uh, YouTube, and, and such. Is that the case for you, or did you already know a lot of this? Uh, I didn't. I didn't know a lot. I mean, I I was pretty handy, and I was kind of I was fairly confident with my skills, but yeah, I did. I I learned everything on the fly, and a lot of it was just asking questions to local uh, tradesmen, um, just asking constant questions until I, I felt confident to tackle a project. Yeah, yeah. but I also I also kind of designed the house where it was fairly simple. Like I did, it's a timber frame. Are you familiar with timber? You know, big am, beams. Uh, like yes, a, like a barn. Yes. So, so that's the kind of house that I live in. Um, and so I hired a guy, a local guy who could cut it. So what he does is he works on the frame in his shop for about a month. He cuts all the joints and puts, and then he brings it to the site and he's in pieces. It's like, uh, link, it's like Lincoln logs or an erector set. Yeah. You know, I, I so saw the, the photo of the skeleton. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It comes to your site and he puts it up 
you know, and I, I was fortunate enough. He allowed me to work on his crew too. So we, we erected it in three days. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you have your, you have your, your frame in three days. Wow. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, I mean, let's, it, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Well, the house is, yeah, it's very impressive. I've looked through a lot of the photos from step-by-step, step, um, including inside the different rooms. But yeah, including that part where they, they set up the, the, the skeleton of the house, and it's like, wow, okay. From, <laughs> from what didn't look like a house to what you can very much see becoming a home. Um, and actually, as I, as I sit here, I, am, I have in front of me the, a little panorama that you made of the first floor, um, and uh, yeah, some initial stuff. But um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about another aspect, and that is the work part. Um, you move to this, you, you build your house, you're probably very busy with that. As you said, you worked it out so that you could um, still come over here and play and earn money and then go back. But um, once you move into the house, it's built, you, you've sort of changed your life, right? I mean, you've changed what you do. What, what do you do now, work-wise? Uh, yeah, right now I'm a, I, I, did, I ended up taking a job. So I'm a video director for a, an investment research firm. So it's it's largely from my experience with online media for the last six or seven years, and then I I, I just basically control the entire video output for this company. So the marketing end and uh, documenting their conferences and stuff. Do you have to go to an office? Oh, okay, conferences. I guess you have to go to, but are you working from home? Is what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. I, I mix. I go back and forth. I, I it's I have a lot of freedom where I can work from home or, and there is an office that's 20 minutes away, a 20 minute drive that I can work in as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's another key aspect. Does your partner also work from home or nearby? No, she's a full-time mother. Oh, yeah, right. Four, four with kids. Four ki yeah, with four, <laughs> with four kids, it's almost uh, necessary to have one parent uh, full-time. It's a full-time job. Yeah. But yeah. okay, so that that's one of the interesting parts. Like, do you know? Can you earn enough to live in this you know new place, um, which is you know as you said, a space that is you that isn't from somebody else. That part is right. You know, it sounds right. right. And then the question yeah. I always have, and I think people have, is does the that income part work out right? Yeah. Well, what we did instead of. I, what I think the majority of people do is they take a job and then they live where their job is. We did the reverse where we picked the place where we wanted to live and then we were just going to make it work with whatever jobs we could get. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I, I, I like, I enjoy my job, but I'm also, I want, I don't think it's what I want to do long term. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, I, I know, well, I'm here long term, so I'm going to do whatever. Basically, <laughs> what I'm getting at is I took the stance of whatever it takes to, to live here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I, in certain respects, that's what, that's, the, that's what you have to do to make it work if you really want to do it. Anything, really. Yeah. Well, we talked about the investment for making the place that that is significant at first. Uh, is it the case that your costs are less than if you say uh, lived in a city or lived in a suburb um, in terms of all the yeah the, the monthly bills? Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's it's 
comparable. Hmm. I could have made decisions to have lessened it, but um, but if I if I think about my alternatives, paying rent and bills, I, I would I'd rather pay a mortgage. And my mortgage ends up being slightly less than what my rent would be with a full family right. house. So, so to me, that's a no-brainer. I mean, it's a decision that makes itself. I, I'd much rather have the, the house and the mortgage than paying rent where you don't see the money anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm not very experienced with house buying, as in no experience. Uh, you have a mortgage on what? The land? No, I own, I own the land. I have a... a, a I, had, I took out a construction loan to build the house, ah, okay. and then uh, what? Once the house was built, I rolled that construction loan into just like a regular house mortgage. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was learning too. I, I didn't know any of this stuff until I actually went through it. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, people say is that. Um, oh no, I, I've been asking uh, what the biggest cost uh, per per month or per year is. Everyone across the board has said. I think you might be different, but they've said telecommunications, phones, and internet for where they live. But what's the biggest bill that you have? Uh, it's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be phone and internet, but I mean that's. It's about, I think my phone and internet's about a hundred bucks a month, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which to me, for, for me to have high speed internet, I'd pay probably, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'd pay more than that. Okay. You know, just because it's, it's, it's so much part of your life. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Or it, it, it's so, it, it ma- makes it work. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And one thing that keeps coming back is. You know, if you had try, if you had done what you're doing, because people have been moving, you know, from cities to country or to rural places forever. But nowadays, when you do it, you've got the internet, among other things. Um, mm. I know for work, you don't really have a choice; you need it. But I'm also thinking in terms of life. Um, would you have? Would you be have been okay with such a move if you didn't have access to the internet? Besides the work thing. Um, yeah, it's a good. It's funny you ask that. I, was, I moved here and there was no internet access. Uh-huh. Um, there was there was just a promise from the local uh, commu- uh, telecommunications company that that they were going to bring it up here. So there was no there was only satellite internet or uh, uh, dial up. Mm-hmm. But and the promise that they were going to bring it up. But we had a um, a local organization. It was called like the North Duxbury. Uh, group for broadband or something and we we just kept we kept pestering them pestering we had a website and uh they finally brought it up and we just got it uh in june of Hmm. this year this summer and now that we have it it's it's awesome i mean it's super fast because there aren't i live in a very remote area so there there aren't a whole lot of people um that you have to share it with yeah so you get you get very you get very high speeds, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking, uh, kind of wondering the cultural aspect. I know, I know, like not everything that comes out of the internet is so culturally valuable. But you know, I'd miss my, uh, I don't know, concerts or or whatever it is that we get in the city from music and entertainment and and mind stimulating stuff. Um, so that that's kind of why I was asking. Um, it's it's living in the. It's just a different. Um, a different version that's all of culture you know like i have neighbors that play live bl- bl- bluegrass and they play <laughs> in, in in local cafes and in um in burlington yeah. and they they have party and every other week there's a potluck 
so you know everybody on this mountaintop. Mm. Uh, so it's just a, it's a different version. I mean, I, I I understand. Like I I enjoy culture as much as the next man. But I mean, <laughs> you can o- you can always go into a city to see that. The the people that you're seeing at the potlucks, the people playing the bluegrass, are the is anyone similar to you in terms of age, in terms of story of? Okay, yeah, you play in the Netherlands. I don't think anybody's going to have that. But having moved from city life back there. Yeah, surprisingly, there's a, a large number of people just like us. And I, I think it was it was luck or we were just very fortunate to move in a community where there are a, a lot of young people who have done the same move. I think places attract the same types of people, you know. Hmm. But yeah. That's interesting, yeah, because you have all these other you know places in the U.S. where it's that old story of former farmers or children of farmers that don't want to farm, so they leave. Uh, you know, small towns, kids grow up in the small town. They say we gotta we gotta get out of here, and they don't. Well, we don't know in the long term yet, but until now, they don't tend to come back. Or you know, the, I think the percentages that come back are not that great. And we see that because in many states and in many countries, the rural areas are becoming rather abandoned or at least you know no one is no one's coming back so vermont in that sense or where you live sounds um very cool very interesting but also maybe an exception or or i don't know something is going on there that i think is worth uh figuring out see if it can be used in other places yeah yeah i totally agree i mean vermont in my mind because i've traveled around a lot in the states and throughout europe um and Vermont is not like any other place I've ever been to. I, I can't describe it. Um, it's just a very, I mean, it's a, at first it's a beautiful place. And the people are, I mean, it's so, it's tough to make broad generalities about the people of a certain area <laughs> or place. But, I mean, you get into it. You, you just, they're different. I mean, people here help and they generally look out for each other. It's just the kind of, that's the common thread around here hmm. Hmm. interesting yeah 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 the whole theme of this magazine or, or th- this um this month uh was originally escape and then mm-hmm. it, it's not so much that i think that you or anyone that we've been talking about are escaping i sometimes wonder if that's even the right term but then again i think it's kind of a good thing you are you have kind of escaped the formula that is often handed down uh, from the previous generation, or at least, you know, some mm-hmm. of the recent generations. Um, I don't know, would you, do you shirk the, the label that you've escaped? Uh, I, I agree, it's probably not the best term, but I mean, in the way you put it, I think escaping what has come before. I I, I think of it as, as more of like a reinvention. Uh, or mm-hmm. yeah. to, I mean, yeah, I, I think everyone's going to have to reinvent their lives. And I mean, you have to with uh, the pressures that are coming on each and every one of us uh, with energy, you know, solving situations like shelter, energy, um, money. I would love, it's kind of a dream of mine to kind of exit the world of money and the need for it. Hmm. I mean, if you if you think about that, it's kind of a hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that's where the questions of you know how much of um, what you do and how you live in your in your home there, how much of it is do you need from the outside world? For example, heating. 
Are you Yeah. Are you hooked up to a gas uh, thing for heat or are you warming your own house somehow? Yeah, well, I have I have uh I heat my house with hot water. It's called, you know, radiant radiant mm-hmm. floors. Um and I heat that water with propane. But we have a, a wood stove, and I have enough wood to burn, and so I just have to cut, you know, three quarter wood every season. Yeah. Um, and the, the wood stove does fa- fairly well. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I'd like to build a outbuilding, which would be like a mini power station, which mm-hmm. would heat the hot water, which could heat the house. Yeah. Solar with solar. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of it's the long term plan. Yeah. yeah. It's it's funny, but you you don't know all the people I've been talking to, and they've said similar about about especially about money. What you just said, you know, not only that, but many people foresee, and it doesn't you know it doesn't take a um, a super gifted person at this point uh, for what's going on in the world, um, a crisis or a long term problem with money, either being able to have any that's worth anything, um, or, or the financial system in general, and that they have they will be ready. Uh, no matter how bad it gets, they'll be able to still have a home and a family uh, living reasonably yes. well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what a large, a large thing that people don't generally think about is that kind of government or democracy and money and these things are fictions. <laughs> they exist because we believe they're real, you know? When I when I really think about money, it is it's just an imaginary construct. I mean, it it works and it, it it's real because we believe in it. Hmm. But it, but they're all, they're just pieces of paper with numbers on it, or numbers in your bank account or in a, on a computer. It's it's not something tangible. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but a piece of wood is, or your garden is. Uh, I mean, yeah. these things have have real value. Yeah. You know, it, money just makes it easy to exchange uh, something for goods, but but it, it but it's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you you filled your lives your your life with with more real things uh, in many ways, right? Right, yeah. and I, I would love to escape escape money's grasp. But you, like right now, I have a mortgage. I theori- theoretically own my house, and I'd like to change that. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> right? But then, but then at the same time, you have property taxes, and then uh, if you if you don't pay your property taxes, then it's the same it's the same thing. If you don't this, you don't really own your house because you you have to pay property taxes. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We had this whole discussion recently, me and Jay, about uh, uh, what his neighbors think about things like property taxes and the government, and it um, it gets a little wild with, with yeah, yeah. yeah. But that is one of those things. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. It, 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 go ahead. It, it gets wild. Here. It gets wild here too. I mean, there are a lot of people that that feel like they just want to be left alone, that they don't need government, that they don't need to pay property taxes. But I, I understand the need for property taxes. Right, like I was going to get on the that. The town yeah. maintain. The, yeah, I mean, there's education so that for the schools, for my kids, um, that pays the teachers. There's um, maintaining the town roads, and we get a lot of snow, so they have to plow the roads so we can get places. I mean, there are needs. There, there, are, there is a need for property tax. I, I 
I don't have a problem with it. No. I just wish it wasn't so much. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling there's a move in the U.S. I mean, it's got a reasonable amount of support these days, which is just generally, without thinking of the specifics, I don't like the government. You know, it's it's gotten very big. It's been around for, for decades, but... Um, and then they never talk about, you know, streetlights <laughs> or police. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my problem is, is that I don't feel like the government represents me anymore. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, we are the people, there's a constitution we're we're supposed to be democracy and we are supposed, the people are supposed to be a government. And I, I think, uh, it's gotten disjointed and it's, it's corrupted. Um, and that I think there, that massive change needs to take place. And I'm not talking about like the change that Obama promised or that he was, uh, elected on. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it has, it, the, the whole system needs to be reinvented especially i mean our, our foreign policy do you think that represents me hmm. no absolutely not you know that, yeah. that we're occupying most of the world that we we have uh bases little, yeah. yeah we have army bases and police stations kind of policing the world yeah. i don't think that's a, a role we should be in hmm. but we i mean we are the largest uh government that's ever existed in this world yeah you know? and, and we've achieved a certain level of of um i mean we can argue about uh what is a, a good life or, or you know quality of life but still we've achieved a certain level of quality of life that if we could sort of share or make possible in right. other places might might make some lives better uh but i wanted to tell you a story um and i'll leave it in the, for the podcast as well um talking about you know <laughs> governments and and do they represent us and so on i was working uh with some people that you may know but in in afghanistan uh in july and I was working in a town a city near um near pakistan and we're teaching teenagers young adults video production right and mm-hmm. without getting anyone in trouble i'll just say after class initial like first day a girl who hadn't said much all all class um they often don't in afghanistan but said that she wanted to speak to us in private and she goes on to tell a very detailed story that basically uh indicates that her life is in danger um there is someone in her community that it wants to kill her has threatened to kill her and her family and any children she may have in the future and she says to us crying um can you can you help me because we're foreign uh we must i guess we must be powerful or something uh can you help me get out go somewhere safe Mm -hmm. and we had not of course expected such a uh thing to to be asked of us and we definitely didn't know what to do because we've never had that happen and before we could even tell her look we don't know what to do so just understand that to begin with she said i thought maybe you could talk to obama and when obama (laughs) heard about what's happening to me he could help make something happen and my translator at the time who's a he's a nice guy but but he maybe he wasn't very nice that moment he just started laughing and he turned to us and he said this girl thinks you guys talk to Obama. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, in the moment, we didn't laugh because 
we were pretty shocked about the whole thing, and I understood what she was getting at. And 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 I kind of I wanted to tell her. It didn't come across through the translator, but I wanted to tell her. You know, look, Obama, Karzai, these guys. I know there are presidents, but they actually don't care about our specific situations. I mean, they're not going to care. They can't either by, because of scale uh, or because of how it all works. But it was funny because as I was trying to explain this, I realized how kind of there's just one more aspect of what's wrong with all this. Like, I know they're the presidents of these countries, but they're not going to help you. They can help you. Uh, so don't even count on it, you know. And uh, I just thought yeah. about that when you said representing, <laughs> being represented. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good story. Um, it's it's kind of wild. Um, I was talking to a guy, I was in Vancouver just last week, and I was talking to a guy, and he was saying about how a lot of the times um, – the answers become the problems. So he would he say people want to help out, and a lot he he was doing a lot of work in Africa, and he said a lot of people want to help out, so they donate all these clothes to to you know export and, or import them into Africa and hand them out. He says, but what ends up what ends up happening is that the the clothes this big container of clothes shows up, um, it gets it gets to the border, and then it whoever pays the most for it will get them and then then there's all these cheap clothes on the marketplace and then it puts uh, local clothes makers out of work and stuff like that yeah. um but it's just that that our answers to problems end up being the problem or e either add to the problem or uh become the problems themselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and and then you know people will take what we're talking about here and they'll they'll come to bigger conclusions over you know overly uh so they'll say well right. then we shouldn't help right and that's not even i don't think that's your point yeah and that's definitely not my point either but, no. but recognize <laughs> that sometimes not. it's a problem no yeah. right yeah. It, it, it's right that, that's not my point is that we shouldn't help but um it's just that it's hard to find the right way to help it's very <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to do yeah I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, it, it's one of those. It's one of those things. Or do you give them a fish, or do you teach them to fish? That whole parable. Right, right. And what? Ha I mean, what? What? Yeah. What impact do you have when you teach someone to fish? Anyway, I mean, it's worth asking. But uh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, Eric. Well, I mean, the big the big focus today. Although I, I don't have any answers. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you, look, but you, in terms of your own life. You've, yeah, uh, you've put together, you've taken, you know, you kind of empowered yourself um, and maybe your family for the coming time, it seems. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's it. It's, it's trying to prepare for the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, and pl pl planning. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> planning. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, just uh, planning how you want to live and, and what's important to you and then making the decisions even as hard as they may be to implement them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, look, Eric, uh, I mean, I would like to talk to you about all kinds of topics now that now that we really get into it. <laughs> but the big focus today was definitely, you know, your home and and how it's going, how it's how the whole process have, has gone. And I think it's been really interesting. Right. And I think people... I don't know. I think more and more people are listening to each other on this and considering their options. I mean, those who have, those who have the, the power to do so, to move somewhere or to, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, and what's interesting is that you know you don't have to be uh, a super expert or or you know this very elite person that has this knowledge. Uh, it seems like it's it's something a lot of people can do. Um, de de definitely, I'd I'd encourage anybody to change their life drastically if if, <laughs> if there's something <laughs> if there's something they're not completely satisfied. Or if there is a dream that they want to chase, I always encourage it. I mean, you, as far as we know, we only have one go at, at life, and uh, you can't. You can't. I, there was a quote that Cork uh, posted: "You can't do what you want to do doing something else." <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. I like it. All right, Eric. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll leave it at that for today. Um, I want to give people like links. Uh, first of all, the photos—they're up on Flickr, and your your Flickr name on in the URL. It's just Wreck, like uh, W R E C K, but it's Wreck and Salvage. Anyone can search for it, and of course, the website uh, Wreck and Salvage dot. Uh, what was it? Com. Com, yeah. I mean, I know it for com. years, but yeah. um, are you guys are <laughs> yeah. still producing lots of content for the site, right? Yeah, yeah, we are. Okay. Yep. Yeah, um, stuff I think we have about yeah, we have about three hundred videos online, and uh, yeah, we're constantly producing stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll put that as well in the in the links that comes with the description of this podcast, and uh, I'll also let you know when the article comes out. But uh, as far All as right. this podcast is concerned, thanks a lot, and uh, I hope to speak with you in the future either via Skype or in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, look forward to it.
the track.